This is Ingewikkeld Sessions, the podcast. Organized by Ingewikkeld, each month you'll get a live stream on YouTube and a podcast on the same topic. That topic is always related to software development in one way or another. If you don't want to miss a thing, subscribe to both our YouTube channel and podcast. Let's start. Composer. It is a tool that has become so integrated with a lot of PHP developers' lives that we don't always stop to consider the value of the tool. Welcome to this Ingewikkeld Sessions podcast episode on Composer. This one is a bit different from our other episodes, because I've been interviewing several people from the PHP community to create an overview of the past, the present and the future of Composer. So before we begin, a big thank you to Niels, Jordi, Petra, Mike and Kel for their cooperation. And a big apology to Jaap, because I talked to Jaap about Composer as well, but unfortunately, due to technical difficulties, the recording wasn't usable. So let's start by looking at the times before Composer, because believe it or not, there was a time before Composer. It was the time of PHP files having a big block of include or maybe require statements where you downloaded your libraries and checked them into your own version control, if you even had a version control. Uh, Niels Ederman of Composer still remembers those times. Uh, I definitely remember downloading uh, a bunch of zip files for random projects, trying to check them into subversion, I guess, uh, around those days. Uh, and then always trying to figure out how to update them. And did I, you know, did I really correctly replace all the files or did I forget to delete something? Um, that was definitely a thing I did a few times. Hi, my name is Cal Evans. And uh, for the past 20 years, I've been a cheerleader for the PHP community. And I've got the uniform to prove it. This is Cal Evans. He's sometimes named the godfather of the PHP community. And he's been around for a while. Um, of course, I've been doing PHP since the days where I can remember we used to have, there used to be a set of functions going around that was just one big PHP file that everybody kind of used, and if you came up with a good idea, you would suggest adding this to it, and that was just included in probably about 50% of the projects I saw back then, and that was you know, early 2000s, something like that. That was just the way we did it. You know, that's how we shared code, um, but obviously that does not scale. I think Kel puts it mildly here. Uh, not only did it not scale, sharing code between projects was hard, and including open source libraries wasn't easy either let alone updating them and starting a new project. Oh my. Honest to goodness, if I started a new project, I would set, I would figure that I'm going to burn one night or maybe even um, two nights just getting everything set up. Um, you know, uh, this was back in the day, pre-composer. Um, I like to tell people that um, back in those days, being a PHP developer was a lot like being a Jedi Knight. You know, Jedi Knights had to build their own lightsaber. Well, you had to spin up your own instance of Apache and MySQL and PHP and, and all of this stuff. And that really wasn't that easy. And so the first thing you did was figure out, okay, you know, do I have all the tools handy? Okay, fine. Do I now, um, you know, let, what's my project going to look like? And for me, that was always... I would bring up um, a data model, an uh, ER diagrammer, and I would you know, model my database and then spend at least a night trying to create that database on MySQL. And then after three or four nights, I'm ready to actually sit down and say, okay, I can write some code. And at that point, I'm like, oh, now I got to connect to the database. And you know, and we didn't have libraries for that. We, we used the raw PHP to, to connect to the database. And, um, and then Wes Furlong gave us PDO, and you know that that was a miracle at that 
point. <laughs> but yeah, it was. We did have a couple of shared tools, um, things like Xdebug and um, PHP Unit. They both um, predate Composer, and we were using. Um, Sebastian wrote a lot of tools around PHP Unit that um, that really, uh, you know, uh, made development easier. And um, you know, those those were all available pre um, pre Composer, um, and there's there's always um, pair uh, pair out there and. A lot of people use Pear. I, I never did get that into using um, uh, Pear. I think I, I might have installed, you know, a couple of packages from it. But um, you know, the the problem with Pear is once a piece of code got in there, it, it it became the standard that everybody relied on. But it might not have been the best code, but it was the first code, you know. So yeah, it, it was just uh, I, I was very hesitant to to use it by the time I uh, I got around to it. So. Hello, my name is Petra Dreiskemper. I've been a PHP developer for longer than I can remember. Um, what have I done? Yeah, developed, started with PHP 3. So that shows you how old I am and been developing all sorts of applications for the cultural heritage sector. This is Petra, a PHP developer that I've been working with for over 20 years. We worked together on several projects from, well, before the composer times. And, and there's more tools that weren't really available back then. I asked Petra what she can remember from those times. <laughs> Not a lot. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> but um, uh, what can I remember from the time? Well, it, it maybe not the time, uh, only the time before Composer, but also the time before there was a proper uh, IDE. Uh, that I can remember, that you had to learn and know everything by heart, all methods, all functions, uh, uh, you had to know what they did. So that took a lot of digging into somebody else's code if you were to ever use somebody else's code. Um, I remember phpclasses.org, <laughs> uh, mainly being the only resource or the first resource, uh, uh, certainly, where you could actually download um, interesting stuff that other people did. Uh, and it took a lot of finding out, a lot of Googling, searching uh, for Maybe there was some solution that somebody else already had tried before that you could actually use. And that's mostly what I remember. Petra touches on something important here. Uh, finding open source packages was really hard before Composer and Packages. There were hardly any centralized websites for open source at first. PHP Classes, the site that Petra mentions, became really popular really quickly, even if not all of the code there was of high quality, because it was one of the first of those sites. In later times, there was also Hotscripts and, and later also SourceForge, and especially SourceForge became a central hub for open source projects, much like GitHub is now. Oh, and Petra mentioned another thing that is really annoying from those times. And a lot of uh, long lists and strategies for uh, how to include uh, a bunch of files so that they don't yeah, <laughs> pose problems later on. Uh, my name is Mike from Real. I'm technical director at Ingewikkeld, and I provide a various services to my clients, also in terms of development, uh, consultancy, and coaching. This is Mike. He's one of the owners of Ingewikkeld, the company that is making this podcast. Yes, those people, of which I'm also a part. Searching for packages, that was one of the main things that was hard, maybe together with the quality of the code available at the time. This is what Mike says. Mainly I remember, yeah, getting libraries from basically everywhere on the internet. You were, and there was no Stack Overflow at the time. 
So just literally Googling, finding something somewhere and in placing it in your project. Uh, and I think that the quality is most generally worse than what you get on Stack Overflow nowadays. First, you had to find this library, which was, um, and then suppose you found it, you had to actually make sure that you set the proper config paths or the config variables it included. Uh, before namespaces, was it was even harder because then you had to, all sorts of things that were named dollar config or dollar settings or whatever. Um, so uh, yeah, it, it took a lot of digging, finding out how this uh, class or module or whatever actually uh, worked uh, and find out where to set what. Uh, so it uh, did what you wanted it to do. Yeah, so it wasn't easy to find open source libraries and it wasn't easy to install them and to make them work together. Now, I'm not going to say that Composer alone solved all of these problems, but we'll get back to that later. Um, before Composer, there was actually another attempt at making something that would make it easier to install libraries. Uh, later on, there was Pear that you could use that has had a decent amount of uh, packages. No, I mean, obviously, there was there was Pear before, before Composer, but that wasn't somehow very much used in, in individual projects, I feel. Yeah, to me, mostly pair was just to, I guess, install PHP unit in the later days, because that was kind of the the only project that I really worked with that figured out that you can run your own server and it doesn't have to be the pair mm -hmm. framework, which of course was always possible. Just nobody really did it who I interacted with. Like, I'm sure that there were some people using this, but just wasn't broadly aware, I think, that that existed. A pair was actually quite nice for that time. It was a major step forward. But unfortunately, as Niels mentions, not a lot of open source projects adopted Pair for installation. So aside from PHP Unit and maybe later PHP Documenter, it was only the libraries that were in the central Pair server that could be installed with Pair. And it didn't do dependency resolution, so it wouldn't check for compatibility or whether it needed other libraries. Uh, plus, the amount of Pair libraries was relatively limited. And this also led to several projects coming up with their own solutions, such as what Symfony did. The last I remember of Symfony was we had this depths file, which was like a shell script with a, just a list of Git clones, essentially. And so that was dependency management, <laughs> state of the art. Yeah, state of the art is a great description because it was sort of state of the art at that time because it solved a problem that a lot of projects ran into, but it wasn't a good scalable solution. The actual state-of-the-art solution came from another open source project that had a very specific problem to solve. Like for me personally, uh, that was the, the time I also worked on PHPBB in the early 2000s. So um, there was this kind of very unique way that PHPBB back then did plugins, which uh, anyone who ever worked in that field is probably familiar with, called mods. Uh, so there was a lot of this, yeah, basically instructions for how to edit the, the code uh, of the main project, um, <clears throat> which of course is like a, a separate thing. And I guess today there's patches in Composer uh, that people use through Composer plugins, but uh, the installation was still very much a, hey, download a, a set of files and instructions and try and apply them. And if there's a new version out, uh, yeah, have, have, have fun figuring that out. <laughs> uh, now, we've mentioned before that upgrading had been a problem that uh, many projects ran into, but how did this actually create the spark that lighted the idea of Composer? It was a chance meeting at a conference. 
It starts all with this whole idea of PHPVB getting a plugin system and having to install those uh, in some meaningful, sensible way um, that isn't manually applying fetch files to other files. Uh, and, and part of that, of course, would have to be a, a delivery mechanism by which you download and install these packages, these plugins. Um, and around the same time uh, that we started seriously thinking about this, um, Symphony 2 was just getting started. Um, and at one of the Symphony conferences, uh, I met Jordi, and we started talking about this in more detail and eventually realized that there was a broader need for package management in PHP. Um, at first, we were really only targeting Symphony and uh, switching PHPBB to use some of Symphony components, potentially the framework later on. Um, and it really only later turned out that this is a more, gen more generic tool that uh, eventually lots of other frameworks actually ended up using uh, and lots of other packages. Yeah, so two people from two different projects meet at a conference and start discussing this common problem they have. But of course, the actual solution wasn't built in a single day. So I think at first it was more discussing kind of what, what are properties this needs to have? Like what are the, what's the problem that we're trying to solve um, to get like a, a more concrete idea of, of what the tool will actually have to do, uh, which of course still ends up being miles away from what you eventually build. But um, it was definitely at least finding a good common ground of, you know, what are we trying to achieve? Um, and then the first actual step, I think, was um, trying to yeah write a bit of first code that does something along the lines of resolving dependencies. Uh, in this particular case, that was um, a the the set solver, uh, which is still at the core of Composer today, uh, which I started porting from C. Event uh, I think originally more as an experiment to see you know would this actually work? Is this kind of do what we need um and and then jordi uh joining in to kind of build a a very basic cli front end around that to turn it into a tool that can actually be used uh to some degree uh to try and see how that works and then take it from there um yeah i think on my end i was playing with pair actually and it was it was a um, also some some sort of experiment slash troll attempt i'm not sure anymore exactly um but the, the first version of packages was actually a sort of a pair proxy it was like well, i was listing like all the <clears throat> like all the pair repositories which were maybe 10 of them back then um so you had the main one and the php unit one and a few others uh, which i don't remember now but uh like there were a few of those repositories and then it was kind of acting as a proxy to bring everything together so that you could just with a single installer uh, like access all of this instead of having because that that, that was a, a perceived pain of mine at least back then that you you couldn't use pair without always like knowing okay this comes from this repository so i need to, to add that repository first add the url and then i can install the packages and so on um so yeah the first the first like packages thing was was kind of a, just this this hacked together mess of of like proxying pair repos and then i talked to Niels at some point and like asked if i could uh, 
join up with him on the composer side and kind of also upgrade packages to become uh, more of a composer specific repository and not uh, not really pair related anymore. It's interesting that you mentioned this because now that you talk about that, I do remember actually initially looking into again pair. Uh, or more specifically, Pyrus, like the Pair 2 installer, right, right. Uh, which was kind of a new thing around that time as well, um, to see if that wouldn't be suitable to use for uh, PHP V plugins. And I think the first thing I was really looking at is uh, how to get it to install dependencies just for a specific local project in that directory. And to some degree, that was actually something that Pyrus slash Pair 2 was trying to accomplish. So that you wouldn't have to have one global install anymore. Um, but as I try to extend, modify that code to let us really do what we were trying to do with plugins and uh, potentially, in the end, actually run this as part of a web process um, to update plugins from a, an end user's perspective, um, it just turned out that that was not going to be feasible with that code base. Um, and that's really the point where I started experimenting with my own ideas. Um, and even with Composer, that's taken us a good 10 years. Uh, but I think finally this year, we're seeing a few more implementations. Uh, I think Drupal is getting to this point where they uh, have like an end user auto update mechanism using Composer. Um, there's been Contao around for a few years who have like an end user client uh, UI thing um, that you can use. Uh, PHPBB was to a larger degree actually using Composer, uh, not quite to the in the way that we originally had even thought uh, would be possible. Uh, but it took a really long time, and I think we're actually getting to a point where it's sort of accomplishing the original goal that I at least had. Yeah, we're already hearing about projects that have now adopted Composer and are doing cool stuff with it. But when Composer was just out, the response from the community wasn't this excited at first. I guess the first reaction I remember was, or like, let's say the, the first, obviously, like, I think on the Symphony side, we had pretty good reception early on. And I mean, it's like, yeah, I think Symphony, the, the, the Symphony, Symphony package is, is like ID number two or something on, on packages.org. So it's, it was always kind of part of the community there because I was also in the core team back then, uh, although there was no core team per se. Um, but I do have one kind of funny memory of going to talk at the, the IPC, the International PHP Conference, which was in Berlin. So I guess that was in, in June. Um, and having a talk about Composer and having like five people in the room, <laughs> they were all like, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so that was, it's just fun, a funny contrast to later on where you could just talk about anything composer and fill the room with people that are super excited. Now sometimes it took some convincing, but eventually, bit by bit, people hopped on board the composer train. Yeah, I have a really interesting memory of an event as well, uh, really early on in September, I think, 2011. So it was a little further along. Uh, there were a couple of people already using this. I guess there was a bit more chat about it online, um, at the PHP Unconference in Hamburg, uh, more of a German event, I think, uh, at the time. Um, and I gave a talk there about how Composer worked. And uh, I think if I'm going to try and describe this the way that uh, other people later 
retold me how they perceived this uh, particular uh, event, where uh, basically Pierre Joey uh, said in the audience, who had also contributed to Pierre a while earlier and like one time core contributor to PHP, and kind of heckled me, kind of just question every decision, every every part of my talk. Um, although people told me afterwards that I was able to answer every single one of his questions in a meaningful way. And what I personally remember is that later that evening, he actually came to me and kind of said, all right, you know what? Like, I was so against this in your talk and I really try to argue how you shouldn't reinvent pair again. And that's kind of the opposite of what Composer is trying to do, right? Reuse code and now you're building a copy that's just doing it over again. And I think that was kind of the core of his criticism. Uh, and and by the the end of that day, he yeah came over during dinner, and it's kind of like I think you you actually convinced me. <laughs> I think this is a great idea, and like I will be happily supporting you with whatever you're building there. Um, and that to me just always yeah stuck with me because um, I think that was um, a lot of what early or a lot of the early experience for people who work with Composer. Uh, who were at least skeptical, kind of wondering, like, why would I need this? Is this going to be just another one of these annoying tools? Um, but then once they started actually working with it for a bit, getting to know the idea a bit better, uh, a lot of people were very easily convinced that this was actually going to be a big, big step up uh, in their development process. Yeah, once people got convinced that Composer was a good idea, the impact could be seen everywhere. As more and more libraries and frameworks made their packages available for Composer installation and more developers started finding out about how easy it was to work with Composer, adoption grew. And I asked Mike from Real about the impact of Composer. I think it's absolutely immeasurable. Um, as I mentioned, the, it, the whole thing has become completely ubiquitous to the way I work. Um, whenever I need something, I go to packages or I Google a little bit on the internet, I go to... Uh, some of the organizations I know that provide quality packages, I install it and it's it's just touch and go. There's no whole process of selecting packages. How does it integrate? Um, how can you configure it? Uh, so for example, uh, Composer using PSR4 uh, as an autoloader, that's a complete game changer. No rogue include statements in your code. And why doesn't this page work? Oh, wait, I didn't use an include. Or I used include instead of include once, which meant that the packages were trying to be loaded twice and completely broke. Um, it makes life so much more uncomplicated. Yeah, I mentioned before that Composer was one of the biggest developments, but there were more. And Mike touches on that a bit here. The new autoloading system that was added in PHP 5 and the PSR standards that were started to enhance the interoperability of frameworks and libraries helped immensely to make Composer be the tool that it was. But the autoloading Mike mentioned wasn't the only change for developers. Um, I think actually a, a lot changed. I think the main the main thing it did was open up a world to a whole uh, yeah a, a lot of other code, open source code. Uh, a lot of other people's worked uh, uh, work so that you could actually, uh, like they always say, uh, could stand on the shoulders of giants. It was not only a strategy for uh, uh, having this include problem finally fixed, so no more directories that could not be found, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, but uh, it op also opened it, the entire world of other people's work to use, reuse, improve. I think that's the, the yeah biggest achievement. 
Yeah, and that is a big achievement for sure. Uh, once Composer got a bit of traction, more and more new libraries started popping up. More developers started to open up their solutions to common problems. And Composer was the spark for that development. So the impact both on the open source world and on the way developers work has changed a lot. Here's Cal on that. Since the start of Composer, well, it's exploded because now it's much easier for you to share what you've done. And we are, a lot of developers um, are moving away from frameworks. Um, I can't tell you the last time I built something with a framework. Well, I know the project that I, the last project I built with a framework. And the reason I used a framework was um, I wanted to play with Slim. And so I, when I, I said, okay, I got a new project, I'm going to um, use Slim to, to build this in. And, you know, Slim's a great, a great project. And I was building an API, so it, it worked great. But I'm like, okay, now that I've done that, I'm going back to what I normally do, which is I need this component, that component, that component, that, and, and boom, you know, I, I've got, I get ready to go. Um, even my, um, my standard development environment for when I spin up a new project in um, Lando, not only is Composer installed, but I install my standard set of packages that, you know, I, I just have to have, you know, things like uh, PHP code sniffer, you know, I just, I just got to have that, you know, because if I don't do that, then my code is just ugly. And that, you know, that, that takes care of making sure everything looks good, make sure everything's properly formatted, all of these things. And, um, you know, it, these days, that's it's just easier for me not to have to worry about, am I going to use this framework or that framework or whatnot? I, I just, you know, use what I need. And if somebody comes out with a better way to do something, well, I can start using that. Yeah, Composer has really become one of the standard tools for every PHP developer. I like to tell people that Composer is one of the um, three tools that have really changed how PHP is, is written. And um, those three tools are Xdebug, PHP Unit, and Composer. And we can thank um, Derek Reithens, um, Sebastian Bergman, and now um, Niels and Jordy for um for those tools they, they, those just those are rock stars in my world um every time i meet them i thank them for the work that they're doing um but um uh, these days the churn has gone way down we've got we've got better tool sets um you know, i use lando to spin up my um development environments and lando is very php centric and it automatically if i say uh, i'm telling i'm working on a php project composer is already installed for me it, it's there and ready to go. It's, it's like if you're using PHP, obviously you're going to be doing um, you're going to be needing Composer. So it just um, spins it up in there. Even when I'm doing you know WordPress projects, it says you know, obviously you know it's still PHP. You're still going to need Composers. Yeah, the ecosystem around PHP has been growing a lot, but it's not just about the ecosystem. Composer and the Composer ecosystem has also saved developers a lot of time. Heaps, heaps and loads of time has been saved. Um, and what Composer also brought for me was uh, things like packages.org, where if you were looking for a library, you uh, just go there, you type in what you generally need, and something pops up. And that was perhaps even more of a time saver for me, that you just go to packages.org, you type it in, you copy-paste the Composer requiring command, and things just work. It's funny how things just work these days is a common thing, where in the early days of PHP, that was seldomly the case. And these days, it just works also applies to Composer. The current state of Composer can definitely be marked as stable. And this also means that for the development of the project, the focus shifts to other related problems that need to be solved. I would say it is really not 
not in a bad spot at the moment in that it, things got very, very stable. Like with 2.0, we had, we, we did change a bunch of stuff, which were for the better in the long term because they made things like Nils mentioned, like more, more reproducible and that was good, but obviously it did break a lot of stuff uh, along the way. So we had to fix a bunch of things there again. But now that it's stabilized, I feel like we get really very few bug reports these days for um, just just overall like, you know, random solver bugs and stuff like that are essentially down to zero and like it's usually more uh, su support misunderstandings and, and, and stuff like that. So I would say the, the core state is pretty good. And obviously, there's still tons we can we can focus on in terms of improvement. But it's yeah, I feel like it's in a, a fairly good space. You know, we don't have a really pressing matter anymore. It's, uh, like performance is also going really good. And, yeah, and I think to the the core <laughs> goal of just having a tool that installs dependencies, updates them to new versions, uh, like that, we've really accomplished. It works as we had hoped it would work. It's as stable, it's as reliable, it's as fast as we would hope. Um, but they think the what's, what's start turning out to be more interesting is that um, the the overall view on dependencies is, is changing. And uh, over there, I'd say the difference between now and 10 years ago when we started with this is that people have uh, much more concern or a, a better understanding about the problems dependencies can bring into their projects. Um, and that's creating kind of this whole new field of yeah, missing tools, um, of uh, things that are kind of related to a dependency manager um, that people are looking for tooling for, that they're building their own tools for. And I think they're uh, ripe for some sort of standardization. Um, and I think one of these examples, which has definitely been around longer, and I think it's the most basic, but just to explain the idea, um, is what NPM did with NPM Audit a while ago, and which we're finally doing with Composer Audit in, uh, in the upcoming 2.4, um, is to help you better understand uh, where are there vulnerabilities in my dependencies that are publicly known. And there have been tools around in PHP 2, like the whole uh, uh, Rove team uh, has uh, a package that people rely on to avoid installing any of these packages. And um, Symfony or Fabien have been uh, providing this free tool um, to, to look for uh, vulnerable dependencies and projects. Um, and so this is not something that's entirely new, of course, uh, mm -hmm. but the, the consciousness of this being an issue, of this being something that you should look at as developers um, is increasing. And so there's more demand for that. And at the same time, more tooling and thus, like I said, a kind of a need for some standardization. Um, and in that same vein, I think there's a lot more um, in the direction of yeah, reliability, stability, um, trustworthiness um, of dependencies and building tooling to ensure those properties um, so that you can more safely deploy applications, um, which is just an aspect of yeah, application security that I think people um, have not been as focused uh, on 20 years ago as they are today. Yeah, Composer is becoming a tool that supports a lot more aspects than just dependency management with these new areas that it's going into. But of course, the focus was already quite beyond just the dependency management. I think what we also got 
move things wrong and had to change things in later versions. Um, I think some guiding principles definitely always helped, which um, are to me, uh, try and build an intuitive interface and that applies to a CLI command as much as it does to some graphical user interface um, that doesn't surprise you because um, that's always a problem if you're if you're working with tools and the kind of through the way that you the option naming the names of commands they suggest they work in a particular way and then they do something entirely different something unexpected side effects um, I think that's a, a major cause of problems uh, in lots of different tooling um, and I think that's also something that other package managers struggle with uh, where users just have a harder time working with them because they you just get surprised by what the tool ends up doing because it's not what they thought it would probably do. Um, and again, we definitely got that wrong here or there too, but I think we've always tried to focus on that. Um, and the yeah, the other thought is part of that is um, I think something like reproducibility where uh, you kind of can really rely on something working in exactly that same way again um, so that you can easily, because in the end, Composer is kind of like a state management tool. Um, and if it gets too complicated, or there are too many side effects, then it becomes also difficult to work with. Yeah, and it's not difficult to work with because aside from these fields to focus on, it seems that users of the software have also been, well, creative in their use of Composer. And I guess that really speaks for the power of Composer as a tool. I think specifically, it's always interesting to see people use Composer uh, in entirely PHP unrelated fields. Uh, somebody informing us that they're using this for, uh, I think like C Sharp was one of these, uh, like an internal package management thing in their company where they're using Composer to manage C Sharp projects. And that's definitely not something I ever anticipated. And the fact that people using other languages look at Composer isn't really that weird. Uh, Kel has worked with several languages, and this is what he has to say about that. When I've worked with some other um, language packaging tools like this, you know, package tools, and I'm like, their stuff's crap compared to what Composer is. Composer is just so much easier to work with. And you know, I, I, I feel sorry for developers in these other languages that don't have a tool as advanced and as easy to use as as we do. Yeah, Jordi has a good idea on why it is that Composer is perceived as such a good tool, as a, as a better tool than the package managers in other languages. Yeah, I think I think we do have lots of sometimes accidental good decisions, sometimes conscious ones. But, uh, but yeah, I think just just on, on both sides of, of like Composer and also packages and just simple things like the naming and like forcing a vendor name that solves so many problems that I see in, in like most others that don't have that. And like NPM kind of added it, like tacked it on later with this app notation because they at some point had to solve this. Um, but it's still still an afterthought. And that means that you still have this kind of global namespace mess there. And um, so that's just an example of one thing I think that, that Seems like a detail, but actually helped a lot. And then if you ask developers what could be added to Composer, this is the type of response you get. Don't know. I don't know, actually, but Composer could also solve for me more than it already does. Honestly, I can't think of it. Actually, that is a quite a tough question. 
Composer for me is so feature complete, so whole as a package that there's little I can think of. Yeah, but actually there are some things. Um, what you can see nowadays is that the plugin system of Composer does bring some additional new features. Um, Symphony Flex, for example, is one of those plugins that does all kinds of nifty things whenever you use Composer. And uh, the community might be able to achieve a lot of more interesting effects and make uh, development a lot easier by leveraging that system even more. Uh, one of the features I would like myself to see is more uh, native support of installing things through FAR packages instead of direct installs. Uh, but I'm a little bit biased since I work on PHP Documenter. And uh, that's one of those tools that has its own dependency chain. Uh, and we're actually pushing with PHP Documenter that people generally use the FAR file more because, well, our own dependency chain counters that of projects that use PHP Documenter sometimes. So that's one way I would like Compose to be improved. Um, when they added packages, and especially private packages, if you run a company and you don't have a private packages account, you're just doing PHP wrong. I'm sorry. Um, you know, I, I really got into that when I was working for a client a year or so ago and um, began to realize just how powerful um, private packages is. But now that we have packages, which is our discovery tool, I, I, there's not a lot more. I, mean, I, I know Niels and Jordy are constantly refining and they've got a whole community of developers working on it to make it faster and better. Yeah, Cal mentions private packages here, uh, which is a commercial tool. And Jordi and Niels can explain a bit more about that. We have Pirate Packages now, which is packages.com, which is the place we started to kind of uh, host your, your private stuff as well. Uh, I mean, that was kind of the beginning. Uh, I guess Niels probably can explain better what it does now. <laughs> sure. Um... But I think just to, to start with, in terms of talking about Composer and packages, just to, to, to explain why that even exists in this distinction, because um, they were created together and at the same time. Um, so they're not two independent projects that just happen to eventually work together. It's just that we very consciously decided to give them very different names, because um, I think it helps in talking about uh, Composer and packages that you manage to distinguish between there's this external database of packages that I'm trying to download something from. And there's this tool that I'm running locally on my machine uh, that's downloading things and that's updating files. Um, and I think that's a problem that quite a few other uh, yeah, package management tools suffer from um, is that they make it tricky to distinguish between these two things. Um, and it simultaneously points out that the, the command line tool, or like Jordi said, like the composer, the CLI tool, um, actually uh, can talk to other types of repositories. And it, it's not strictly necessary to communicate with packages. It's just that that's the default. That's where all the PHP open source packages live. Um, and so now there's actually lots of uh, different reasons people run their own uh, Composer repositories. And that's really, again, what private packages also does. Yeah, so it's really just, it's another repository that Composer can talk to. Um, and this particular one is meant for companies for internal use. Uh, but there are also uh, lots of 
frameworks, platforms, like e-commerce platforms that just run their own repositories with their own set of packages just because they like to have some more control over where they are stored and where their customers install packages from. And some of those are even open source anyways. Um, and simultaneously, there's a, a lot of people who sell PHP packages, often as plugins to some of these frameworks, to some uh, other content management platform, et cetera. Uh, and they, they use Composer to install them. And um, of course, packages.org just makes everything publicly available. And so they, they either run their own package repository, or again, they can use private packages to, to operate a repository for which you need credentials that actually verify that you purchased a license for that particular package. Um, so I think this this distinction between composer and packages um, helps it make it clearer uh, that that's how, that, how these tools interact and that's how that works. There's a number of different reasons why you would run a private composer repository. Like I mentioned, you may be somebody selling plugins, uh, selling PHP packages and whatever fashion for whatever purpose. Um, and so um, a reason to use private packages is that you um, simply get a UI to manage this, an API through which you can uh, manage how long certain licenses should be active for. Um, and then you directly get a working composer repository where all your customers have their unique uh, access tokens, et cetera. Um, on the more common use case actually is more um, if you're, let's say an agency uh, that's working on lots of different uh, client projects and you actually, uh, want to have, for one thing, uh, an additional level of stability because you're installing plugins from random third parties from all these different repositories and your composer install, your deploys, uh, rely on those being available. And so you kind of want to keep copies of all of those. Uh, and the easiest way to do that is to just have your own composer repository where you have a copy of all your dependencies so that you do not rely on them being available for download during your um, CI phase, uh, during your build phase. Um, and so you, with private packages, you can create a separate composer, separate repository for each of your clients uh, and get just the packages that that client should have access to into that particular sub-repository. Um, and that again differs from, you know, directly using like something like packages.org uh, where it's just kind of a, well, anything could be installed here. And at the same time, packages.org only hosts metadata. Um, so you have no guarantee that some open source developer may not eventually decide to delete their GitHub repository where things are being downloaded from. Um, and you just make sure that in your own repository, you actually have a copy of all this data. And so even if you're, let's say a product company that doesn't manage all these different client projects, um, yeah, you may have lots of internal packages and it's just a lot easier to work with than having to manually add VCS repositories from GitHub, manage credentials for maybe different services that you're installing things from Composer with. Um, and you just get a copy again of all your dependencies in that repository. Um, and then more in the vein of what I was talking about earlier, we're starting to build more and more tools around this. Um, so it's not just a package repository, but we're using the information uh, that you can get out of that package repository to provide you with additional insights uh, to give you guides um, and particular the whole uh, security monitoring. Um, so what you can manually do with a new composer audit command is actually built into private packages and it'll actively notify you as soon as any vulnerabilities become known about any of the packages that you're using in your internal repository so that you can then go to your projects and make sure that those are updated. Um, or if you're uh, another feature that we have is called update review. 
um, which helps you uh, review changes to composer log files in your com uh, composer projects because we have access to your package repository so we can give you more detailed information including all your private dependencies so things you've purchased from elsewhere something uh, that's you know only available to you um, and make it easier for you to actually review the differences uh, from one version to another from running a composer update instead of having to review a couple thousand lines of composer lockdiff which you know nobody can actually review that um, and yeah in that way we want to keep building more tools that just help you manage dependencies um, and so private packages is becoming more a general tool to yeah, work with dependencies as a business using PHP. So private packages sounds like something that more people could use to make their lives even easier. But there's more features that are maybe underappreciated. I mean, everybody should check out Composer Fund. Uh, speaking of financing open yes. source projects better, that's a command people should run. I think that's probably very underrated. <laughs> Yeah, I think there are also many, many things around the whole uh, platform requirements. So platform requirements being like your PHP version and extensions and so on. So all the, all that's kind of provided by the system. Um, you know, we have like the, the check platform rex command and um, we also have these runtime checks now, which kind of check the PHP version and so on. Like, I think that's maybe something that people should kind of build into their CI or deployment process a little bit more. I'm not sure how many are, to be honest. Like that's it's really hard to get visibility on this, obviously. But um, I feel like that's the kind of stuff that is not especially known and yet can save your ass during a deploy. Like if, if you somehow have like mismatched versions. So I would say, yeah, it's it's. I think that the basic tool, like most people understand it, but they may not really use it to the full extent that they could and does not, not get the, the full benefits. It's always good to hear about these features. I guess I need to check the documentation a bit more to see what features there are, and so should you, to get more benefit out of using Composer. Now, we've touched on the future of Composer already a bit earlier, but what's the next big thing? And mind you, I was talking to Jordi and Niels before 2.4 was released. I would say the whole security aspect, and like I think there, there we have a lot of lot of ideas, a lot of plans, more or less concrete. So this this whole you know, uh, I mean the, the the security about the whole thing, like this is, this touches various aspects. But, but as Niels mentioned earlier, like this is definitely more in, in people's minds these days, and um, and on ours as well. And so I think we should kind of address this a little bit more. Yeah, I think we have a solid basis of what Composer does today. Um, but as mentioned, there are definitely external tools that uh, will benefit a lot more people if they become a standard part of Composer. Um, so in terms of what's coming up next, sure, there's Composer 2.4 around the corner, uh, which will have Composer audit to uh, verify the integrity of, or the, the security uh, of your dependencies. And um, there there will definitely be more tools in that vein. So for example, uh, I would very much like to see um, a similar behavior to what you can currently accomplish by uh, including this uh, Brove package to conflict with all uh, insecure versions. Uh, and hopefully in a future Composer version, we'll be able to just have this as an option 
uh, for your composer updates so that you just get either just skip those or get war like warning slash errors if you ever try and install any of those. Um, but yeah, like Jordi said, uh, more uh, in addition to that, because that, that's all about these vulnerability databases. Um, I think there's also issues around like trustworthiness of packages having more ways to inspect what you are installing. I think the recent addition of the allow plugins uh, property um, goes in this direction of making sure that users have really full control and understanding about what code they execute, where this code originates from. Um, and I think in, in that direction, we want to give users a few more tools in Composer um, to yeah more explicitly, more specifically select what and where and how they want to actually be running. Now, we've looked at the past, we've looked at the present, and we've even looked into the future of Composer. I think we're almost done. So it's almost time for some final words from all of my guests. But before we go to those, I really wanted to check with the Composer team to see how they feel about the enormous impact that Composer has had on the PHP language. And Niels seemed very happy. As a PHP developer myself, I think it just makes me happy every time I see that because uh, I just still enjoy the fact that I can, like, that there is such a standardized way to install things in PHP. Like, because uh, I, I definitely remember from a time before Composer where every time you wanted to install either some dependency or some project, you know, you'd have to invest mm -hmm. so much time on reading through some README, figuring out like where do I have to copy which files, how do I have to rearrange this, and uh, every time that today I actually install a new dependency and I look at the README and there's just a single line I can copy, which is composer require package name. I just in, like still to this day I'm just happy over that, not because I had any part in composer, just because mm -hmm. I don't have to bother with reading the rest of this damn thing. <laughs> Yeah, this is, I guess, where the lazy developer in everyone comes up. You want to read as little as possible before things work. Right, it's time for some final words. First, I've asked Niels and Jordi what they feel is an important message to get across to people. I mean, there's the classic message every Composer user needs to hear, which is commit your log file. I'm kind of hoping that 10 years in, we're past that point, but I, I don't think it's ever a bad idea to repeat that. Uh, the purpose of the lock file is entirely lost if you don't commit it into your Git repository. Yeah, maybe as a, as, a, as a side effect to that is also just to run updates regularly, I would say. Like, I had a long long discussion slash argument with someone last week about this. Uh, his point of view was more like, you know, just I, I run updates as, as little as I can because then it's more stable, but I do think that's really a bad idea. And, and I would say if you run them more reg regularly, you do have, you know, just smaller incremental updates. And sure, it's more, more often that something will break slightly, but it's less often that everything breaks at once. Anything maybe to add to that, um, I would always give the advice to try and at least comprehend what dependencies you have. It's great that we have a tool that makes it very easy to install dependencies and to update them. Um, but this, and it means that you can spend very little time on these dependencies and just, just use them. But it is time well spent to try and at least get a concept of what am I actually installing here as dependencies of dependencies. And then the more you want to invest in that, you can get deeper into you know who's publishing this, uh, you know how reliable is all of this, how well maintained it is. 
And sure, depending on how small or big a project this is, it's going to be worth more or less time to actually spend on this. But try and at least consciously decide uh, that you're going to turn a blind eye to some of these things. Uh, and don't entirely forget that there may be questions to answer about all these dependencies. And now for Petra, Mike and Kel. I asked them what they wanted to say to Niels and Jordi. Ah, keep, please keep up the work. I hope the whole strategy with packages, uh, that they are able to make a, to make some money out of their, their project finally, that they're able to uh, maintain themselves or uh, uh, live from off their work. That's what I'd hope, and that they keep up uh, with what they're doing. People, you're doing awesome work. Keep doing it, and I think you're totally underappreciated. Go. Go for it. Thanks, guys. I want to say thank you um, to you guys. Y'all have just been a, you've been a powerful force in the community. You've given us a wonderful tool, and you have built a community of developers around that tool. So um, I, I really do appreciate everything y'all have done for the PHP community, and I hope that y'all keep doing it for years to come. And that's it. The end of this podcast. I want to thank Mike, Kel, and Petra for their contributions, as well, of course, as Niels and Jordi. But specifically, Niels and Jordi, thank you for all the work you've put into Composer over the years, for making my life as a PHP developer so much easier. Thank you. Having said that, I'll be signing off. In September, the topic of the Ingewikkeld Sessions livestream and podcast is writing testable code. Tiago and Jaap will be looking at how you can write testable code and how you can make code more testable. I'm looking forward to that and I hope you are too. That's it for this month. Thanks for listening. If you like what we're doing, please share our links on social media. Also, please subscribe to the podcast in your favorite podcast app and follow us on YouTube. And you can also support us financially on patreon.com slash ingewikkeld. See you next month. You open up Visual Studio these days and rainbows come out. It's just, it's absolutely gorgeous. Everything's great. Uh... <laughs>